Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast with me, your host, Danny Kennedy. And today, you're listening to a special edition of the podcast. What's up, guys? As I just mentioned, today's episode is a special edition. Uh, This is actually a guest podcast that I did last week, an interview I did with Tori Truitt from the Health Bloke podcast, which has just recently gone live. Um, So I wanted to share this one. It is on his podcast, so I would love for you all to go and listen to it there. Um, But, you know, if you really want to, you can listen to it here as well, okay? Um, So so jump on, have a listen. Let me know what you think. It's a little bit different. It's an interview this time. It's about flexible dieting and a little bit about my journey. Um, So again, hope you enjoy the episode. Please do leave it a review, rate the podcast, and subscribe if you haven't already. Hope you're having a fantastic day and that you enjoy this interview. Okay, welcome listeners uh, to another episode of the Health Bloke Podcast, talking all things wellness. Today's episode is a ripper. Uh, I think you really get a lot of value out of it. Uh, my de- guest uh, today is Danny Kennedy from DJK Fitness, who is a personal trainer, online coach, physique competitor, and uh, really looking forward to discussing the art of flexible dieting. So welcome, Danny. Thanks, thanks for uh, tuning in. Thanks for having me, TT. Uh, obviously, before we get uh, get into the uh, the topic on flexible dieting, um, can you give the listeners a little bit of a background about yourself, your journey to date, and what 2017 looks like? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I come from country town um, in in Victoria, Horsham, and I grew up playing basketball and football, and mainly basketball. Um, I guess that was probably my priority, um, and I wanted to pursue that as a professional career. So. Uh, once I finished up high school, I got the opportunity to move down to Melbourne um, to play basketball or train for basketball full-time. So I did that for two years, um, and along the way, I was doing strength training, um, strength and conditioning training, obviously, and I always really liked the gym side of things, um, although obviously basketball was the, the priority. I almost probably did a little bit too much gym work at some times, at uh, some stages, sorry, because I just enjoyed it so much. It was more of a hobby, though. And then at the end of my two-year um, block in Melbourne, I had to, had to get an ankle reconstruction. So um, that kind of put a bit of a, a downer to my basketball at the time. So I was pretty pretty devastated. I had the surgery done. And then in the recovery process, I got to thinking you know, about something that I could you know, set a bit of a goal um, for myself to work on while I was doing rehab because I just can't stand doing absolutely nothing. I've, I've always got to be doing something. So... I thought, you know, at some stage down the track, I wanted to do a physique competition. Um, and so I thought at the time, um, you know, I, I would give a physique competition a go because at that stage, um, men's physique, which the category I compete in, um, was relatively new. And, you know, you really didn't get judged too much um, on the lower half of your body. It was more of like a beach look. So you just need the conditioning and some good shape. Um, and you'd mainly get judged on your upper body and your posing. So I thought, you know, at the moment, while well, I can't really train any legs, I'll, I'll do this. Um, even though that's changed over time and you do get judged on, um, on on pretty much your full physique now. But anyway, at the time I did that, did a competition and just fell in love with it. So um, I, in the end, I just had a lot of trouble coming back from my surgery in regards to basketball. So I thought at that stage I'd actually just started... Um, personal training for about six to 12 months with with you Tori obviously Um, and that was starting to pick up and I obviously really enjoyed that I'd done my PT qualification while I was at school 
And then, you know, I just worked hand in hand. I was doing physique competing. I was personal training. I was loving my training and my nutrition and stuff like that. And it was kind of at that point where I started to get a few uh, messages from friends and whatnot asking if I could help them with their nutrition and their training because um, I, I was posting a lot of stuff on social media about my training at that stage. Um, and I think I'd kind of mentioned to a few people that I was probably not going to go back down the road of basketball um, you know, full time and trying to make it professionally because I'd, I'd kind of found something else that I was really enjoying and um, I thought that I could make a living out of and um, and it just worked hand in hand as I mentioned. So I started doing a little bit of online coaching um, and you probably wouldn't even call it that for starters. It was just making nutrition plans for friends, giving them yep. some workout programs, um, putting together some stuff for them and they were getting results, which was good. Um, just kind of showed me that the stuff that the, I guess the study or the um, all the stu- all the research I'd done on nutrition and training and all the trial and error I'd done with myself was was working. And I'd found a bit of a um, found a bit of a method that worked. Um, I like to do a lot of research on nutrition and training. Even when I was playing basketball, I'd just spend you know hours every day just looking at websites um, reading articles and, and research papers and stuff so um, I was obviously personal training at the time I, I decided to do another competition the year later and then I kind of started to take my online coaching a little bit more seriously as I, I saw it as a way to reach more people um, not just the, the one-on-one personal training or even the group personal training where you're trading time for money um, yeah. On the hour, I could reach more people and get a lot more done um, working online, and it also gave me a little bit more freedom and something different. So I wasn't just doing PT, um, yeah. and really since then I've just continued to to grow the online stuff as as well as my personal training. Um, I, I probably enjoy the strength and conditioning side of things um, in regards to actual face to face training more so than just general population stuff. So um, I've yeah. had the opportunity to work with some some uh, pretty high level athletes over the last couple of years which has really helped not only build up my um, experience as a coach and as a trainer but also help build up a bit of a bit of a profile and bring in some more athletes which has been pretty cool and then um, and then now yeah it's just a matter of trying to continue building my online business um, big enough uh, where I can start to make some good income from it but really it's um, it's never really been about making the income, um, even though obviously that's a that's a pretty good bonus. It's just really like I said from the start. It's just a matter of helping people. Um, that's why I, I run my own podcast. So, you know, YouTube, social media, um, all that type of stuff is just to try and get as much of the stuff that I know out there to help other people um, get the same results and similar results to what I've been able to do. Because I think health and fitness, as you would know, Tori, is um, can can change someone's life for the better. And um, and it's obviously a really healthy way to live. And if, if your addiction is going to the gym, then it's not so much a bad thing. So um, that's pretty much where I'm at now. I'm still doing competitions. I've got another one coming up later this year. But um, yeah, that's that's pretty much pretty much my story up until now. Yeah, and I guess I've been fortunate enough to to watch you grow and develop firsthand. Um, and it's been uh, it's been a really exciting journey for me. Is that you know an old man sort of in the industry to, to see someone like yourself coming into the industry with so much passion and dedication work ethic um it really excites me and if i had a crystal ball dk i'd really love to see where you'll be in uh in 10 years time because i know you're going to be really really successful i must uh, i must mention this quickly as well like i've uh when i once i started as a pt um i know there's a lot of people now wanting to become personal trainers but when i started 
I actually came to you, I think, um, by memory to ask you about whether or not you thought it was a good idea um, for me to go and PT at, at Fitness First because I was just working in at MSAC at the time and you you had a bit of a chat to me and said, you know, that that, that, your, uh, that True Health, um, your personal training business, uh, was looking for a new trainer or would be willing to kind of help me out for a little bit and um, I was extremely lucky that I did come and have a chat to you because it's, be, it's been a really good path um, not only yourself but all the other trainers there that have helped me kind of grow and uh, it's a very good training environment I think you've got to be lucky or, or not so much lucky but you've got to be selective with the people that you spend your time with because um, you know if, if I had have gone somewhere different it could have been a completely different story over the last four to five years so I've been lucky in that respect and been able to learn from guys like yourself that have been in the industry for a long time and um, have, have done all the trial and error and seen what works and what hasn't worked and and just pick your brain. So it's been it's been a good good journey so far. Yeah, it's it's interesting you say that, DK, because you know when I started off, you know the industry was it was you know I've been in the game for PT game for twenty years. So the personal training space or the health and wellness industry has really changed dramatically. Um, and I guess you know with social media and um, the visual stimulus and the Instagrams and things like that, it really uh, created. Um, or, or um, given that the, the wellness space a little bit more respect um, and people are acknowledging it a little bit more. Um, but again, I, I sort of reflect on um, the fly-by-nighters and, and the insta-famous uh, trainers that are out there too, and, and I still feel that uh, the credibility of the industry is still not great uh, because there's so many people entering it. But what I always um, believe uh, across any industry, across any platform, is the cream always rises to the top. And when I see yourself who lives and breathes uh, health and fitness and the way you interact with your clients, whether that be elite athletes or um, you know, your corporate execs that you're training, you really do instill in them uh, a sense that health and fitness is you know, it's part of the lifestyle. It's just not something you do every now and then. And I guess uh, the message is consistency is the key. Exactly, um, exactly right. So before we just dive into uh, flexible dieting, which I re- reckon is a really exciting topic for the listeners um, to understand, uh, reflecting back on your basketball career, do you reckon if you didn't have that ankle Rico, how close would have you have been to uh, to made it as an elite basketballer? Yeah, look, it's um, it's a it's a good question. Uh, it's it's something I think about a little bit actually because. You know, like like I said, if I if I hadn't have had that ankle injury, then you know, probably ninety nine percent likely I wouldn't have done a uh, a physique competition. Um, I may not have gone all in with my personal training because I would have been putting in a lot of my time with basketball. Um, so really, like the, where I am now, uh, if that had been any different, if I didn't have the surgery, then I think it would have been completely different. And you know, we may not be talking today, but um, yeah. but you know, it's it's hard it's hard to tell. Like I. I was definitely, uh, my basketball was definitely the best it had ever been um, at the point when I had to get this, had to get the surgery. Um, I had a, a few, a few opportunities that were about to come up that I was pretty excited about. Um, but you know, in the end of the day, you, you still got to put in the work, and plenty of other things can happen along the way. But if that hadn't happened, then definitely my my main goal um, was to eventually get paid to play basketball. Um, whether that be in a capacity where I don't have to do anything else or whether it be semi-professional or whatever it may be. But um, that was definitely the goal it always had been. And as I mentioned, the first probably one to two months, I was ex- I was absolutely devastated. I was, um, you know, I, 
you know, my my girlfriend and my mum and stuff actually, you know, they were they were starting to get a little bit worried about me because I I'd literally all I'd ever done um, throughout school and everything was all basketball. So to go from doing that five, you know, seven days a week for a couple of hours a day to doing nothing at all um, was a bit of a shock and it was hard to get used to. But like I said, I, I found found some other stuff which I'm passionate about as well, and I'm glad I did because you know I think I've definitely gone. Um, I've definitely chosen the right path anyway, and it's something that I know that I'll I'll continue to do for the rest of my life and not not get sick of it. Um, and you know, even in, in the uh, the form of if it ever gets to a point which you know touch wood it doesn't that I can't train in the gym or compete or do stuff um, that I'd like to be doing, I know that I've still got the ability to be able to share share knowledge on health and fitness and and nutrition and whatever it may be with other people and still stay involved. Whereas um, whereas with basketball, I was never really interested in in becoming a, a coach or didn't really didn't really like that side of things too much um personally i just love playing the game of basketball so um yeah to answer your question i really really don't know i would love to have got paid to play basketball but um sure. but i'm happy with where things are right now yeah now that, that's a very good point and i think there's probably a few synergies there uh danny when you look at your mindset of a professional basketball or a semi-professional basketball which you were and obviously then transitioned into uh, the business world and I think there's probably a lot of um, traits that you've taken in terms of your dedication, your level of commitment, um, your preparation from basketball and you've transitioned that into your into your current business and I think uh, it's a credit to yourself um, and it's certainly something that I reckon is difficult to teach people is that intrinsic motivation, but you certainly have it in abundance. Uh, so hopefully it continues. Let's hope so. So uh, let's get into it, mate. Let's uh, let's start off, um, you know, and educating the listeners about flexible dieting. It's certainly something that I'm interested in, having been in the wellness space and, um, you know, constantly get asked about nutrition. If I was to speak to my clientele about it um i'm pretty black and white but yep. i know you're you're extremely uh passionate and you live and breathe it and you certainly follow uh follow the flexible flexible uh, dieting guidelines for all your training can you just um give a little give us a little bit of an insight to what it actually is and uh, how you think it benefits uh the clientele whether that be elite sports people or just uh, joe random like myself yeah, 100%. And just a very quick background about how I got to it in the first place is yeah. um, grow, uh, growing up, even now, I've got an extreme ectomorph type body, so I find it hard to put on weight. Ectomorph being sort of skinny DK. Yes, yeah, skinny yeah. TT. Uh, yeah. Skinny and, um, you know, high, fast metabolism. Um, yeah, so I, when, when I was younger, I was obviously playing a lot of basketball, which made it even harder to put on weight. And nutrition was something that I became extremely interested in because I wanted to gain size. I was in the gym, wanted to get bigger. But I also probably got to the point where I wouldn't say I had a full eating disorder, but I was, um, you know, I was very, I got very anxious about what I was eating. I, I, I thought that, you know, I needed to eat a lot of protein, um, which we all get told, told. I thought that I needed to avoid carbohydrates, which is also something a lot of people get told, um, and even keep my fats relatively low. Um, and that's just stuff that I'd seen in magazines that I'd heard from people that I, you know, I'd asked people in the gym or seen on YouTube or videos, whatever. Um, and in actual fact, that was probably the worst thing that I could have been doing for myself at the time, you know, because I was trying to put on weight. I wasn't eating anywhere near enough. 
And I also started to create a bit of a bad relationship with food because whenever I would eat food that was seen as not healthy or I guess junk food, um, you know, I'd do excessive amounts of exercise, um, even if I'd already trained that day because I would, you know, mentally be feeling bad about myself for eating eating that food and obviously that's a, that's a pretty pretty uh, shitty way to live and and also it wasn't getting me anywhere near, um, you know, it wasn't getting me any closer to where I needed to be um, as an athlete and, and putting on weight. So the more I looked into nutrition, um, the more, I guess, uh, crap I kind of, I've kind of sifted through and did a lot of trial and error and found what worked and what didn't work. Um, and what I come to find is that a lot of the, the mainstream stuff that we, we're all getting told um, is, you know, to put it bluntly, is bullshit. Is bullshit. Um, yeah. And and I was, I was kind of sick of that. So I, I went down a little bit of a different path um, and I found flexible dieting. And, um, you know, it's also known as if it fits your macros. And I think it gets a little bit of a bad rap um, in regards to the, the type of foods people eat. But basically, um, you know, when it comes down to it, to, to lose weight, we need to be in a negative energy balance. So you need to be in a calorie deficit. And to gain weight, uh, you need to be in a calorie surplus. So taking in more energy than you're burning, regardless of what food that comes from. So, you know, your typical clean eating diet or whatever it may be usually suggests to lose weight, you need to eat healthy food. You know, it might be chicken breast, vegetables, um, brown rice, whatever it may be, like the typical foods that you would, you would pair with the word diet. Um, and, you know, assuming that you will lose weight if you eat those foods when in actual fact it comes down to the amount of food you're actually taking in. So one, one thing that I like to say to my clients is, um, you know, forget about what you're eating and start thinking about how much you're eating. Um, and that doesn't, you know, once, once we get into this a little bit more, it doesn't necessarily mean that when I say forget about what you're eating that you should just start eating crap. Um, yeah. But what it means is that you can still gain weight eating healthy food and there's still calories in healthy food. Um, you know, things that are labeled low fat or low carb and stuff like that are usually, um, you know, the calories are usually bumped up with something else that they're not telling you about or, you know, it might be low carb, but it could be extremely high in fat. Um, and in the end of the day, it's still got calories. Um, and as I mentioned, if you're taking in more calories than you're burning, regardless of what you're eating, you're going to gain weight. Um, and I see a lot of people get stuck there because not only are they not losing weight, but they think that whenever they don't eat these foods, um, the healthy foods or that you would see as part of a diet, then that they've stuffed up and they've they've gone off their diet and um, you know and that leads to binge eating, eating disorders. Um, it's just a never-ending cycle and it can be a vicious cycle. And you know you see um, people now that are you know like my parents' age or whatever that still still believe the stuff that they see on TV and still have you know although it may not be severe, they've still got this this binge eating cycle where they go on a, a diet um, where they're eating strict uh, restricted food groups um, to try and lose weight, but they know that they're not going to be able to do that for the rest of their life. Um, yeah. And at some stage, they're going to binge on, on the food that they're, they're missing out on, which they usually like to eat. So I guess uh, flexible dieting really is just tracking your calorie intake, um, tracking your macronutrient intake, so your macronutrients being your protein, your carbohydrates, and your fats. Um, and also your micronutrients, so your things like your fiber or your vitamins and stuff like that. Um, and a rule rule I like to use is is that ninety percent of your foods should be you know nutrient dense whole foods, so foods that are seen as healthy and, and that are going to be good good for your body. They're going to give you provide good nutrients to your body. Um, and then ten percent can be allowed for you know you might go out and have a beer with the boys, or you might go and, and have have a dinner with your girlfriend. 
or it could just be dessert. Um, you know, it can be dessert every night of the week if you really want, but just restricting that 10, 10% um, of calories to something that's not seen as so much of a, uh, a diet or healthy food. Sometimes it could be seen as junk food, but it's the stuff that we know that we enjoy. Um, we know that we're always going to go back to. Um, oh. And if we're having a small amount of it on a daily basis or even a weekly basis, basis sorry, um, then sticking to a, a restricted amount of calories is going to be a lot more achievable um, and sustainable. Whereas if you're sticking to a very restricted amount of calories and also a very restricted amount of food or as um, or selection of food, I should say, sorry, um, you know, at some stage you're gonna you're gonna backpedal on that, and you know, in the long term, it's not a sustainable way to eat. And, and I just think if you're allowing yourself the food or drink that you enjoy um, in moderation and still sticking to a, a calorie intake, yep. um, whether that be to lose weight or gain weight, to me that's just the most sustainable um, sustainable way of eating that you're going to be able to do for the rest of your life and still get results um, and still be able to socialize and actually enjoy what you eat. Uh, and get over the fact that there's good and bad foods because in the end of the day, when it comes to fat loss, there's no good or bad foods. There's there's calories. Every every food contains calories. So um, that's something that I picked up and yep. now I share with all of my clients um, and I try and share it through all my social media platforms to try and help other people understand that uh, that you can still eat like a normal person and, and get in the best shape of your life. Yeah, you've made some really good points there, um, DK, and, and I'll sort of, again, refer to, I guess, social media or even the, the health and uh, nutrition market to date. There's, you know, there's raw food, there's raw cheesecake, there's gluten-free, there's, you know, this, that and the other type of food that I guess people market or perceive to be healthy, yep. but in fact would be really uh, calorie-dense food. Oh, 100%. Like, you go into... You know, almost any cafe these days and they've got your gluten-free options, your vegan options. And, and not to say that people um, don't need these foods because you know, yeah. those that are celiacs, um, which I might add is a very, very, very small percentage of people actually are celiac or intolerant to gluten. Um, and those that like to eat vegan, um, only eat vegan foods, stuff like that, obviously it's good that they have those options there so they can stick to their way of eating. Um, yeah. But those that are thinking that by eating vegan food or by eating gluten-free foods or raw or all that type of crap that it's going to help them lose weight. Um, they're just misinformed because, you know, I would say nine times out of ten, these raw or vegan or gluten-free foods, to make them taste so good, which a lot of them, you know, to be perfectly honest, don't taste great anyway, but the fact that they taste half decent um, is because they're filled with something else. So, um, a lot of the time, their calorie intake would be just as much, if not more, than just having the the normal version of a cake or or a slice or whatever it may be. Um, yeah. So the benefit that the people that are take that are actually buying this stuff think that they're getting, they're not because, as I mentioned, a lot of people that you talk to will mention that they're gluten free or gluten intolerant and all that type of stuff, but. Uh, you know, it's a very small percentage of population that actually can't eat gluten. A lot of people that don't eat gluten are doing it because they're, you know, they're under the impression that by not eating gluten, they're going to lose weight. Um, yeah. uh, so I, I think, again, it just comes down to people being misinformed and, and marketed in a way that um, that they believe a lot of the stuff they see. And it's because pe- it's because companies make money out of it, um, oh. really. Like, there's you, like I think you were talking to me about it the other day, TT, that... 
you go into a supermarket now and there's nearly a whole aisle worth of gluten-free food or um, yeah. raw vegan food and all this stuff and you know it's, it's you nearly pay an arm and a leg to to buy a bloody pack of chips or something like that it's gluten-free yeah uh, that's right they're making an absolute killing off it and you're probably uh no no further along with your fat loss journey than what you were before you bought them yeah and again i guess that makes it hard too you know obviously for us as uh, for us as trainers when your clients, you know, we only get them for a couple of hours a week and there's 168 hours in a week and outside of their training sessions, they probably think they're doing the right thing because, you know, they're eating cleaner or they're certainly eating better than they were uh, prior to them coming to you. Uh, but if they're not educated and, as you say, they're consuming products that are so calorie dense, then whatever we do in the in the gym or outside of the gym, it's going to make it very difficult for them to, you know, lose weight or put on muscle or, or whatever they might do. Yeah, and you can't out-train a bad diet, and by a bad diet, I mean too many calories, regardless of what, what food that comes from. Um, you just can't out-train a bad diet, because if you're taking in more calories than you're burning, then you could be doing the best training program in the world, or you could be with the best personal trainer in the world, whatever it may be, you're not going to lose weight, and that's it's, it's really as simple as that. And I think the biggest... The biggest thing with flexible dieting and what I find trying to help my clients and teach my clients about flexible dieting and counting calories and macros um, is that there's no, as I mentioned, it's just changing that relationship between good and bad food or how you look at food because, you know, an example of it may be with a training program. For example, if um, you've got a uh, your average Joe from the street that comes in and wants to get in shape and he's gone from you know, not training at all to all of a sudden doing training twice a day and training like he's, he's Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was training for the Olympia, hoping yeah. that in six weeks he's got to look exactly like him. But, you know, knowing yeah. very well that in six weeks' time he's, he's not going to continue with that ever again because he won't be able to sustain it. It's the same, yeah. as, same thing with the diet. If you've gone from normal eating to all of a sudden cutting out everything that you enjoy and every meal that you have, you dread it and you don't look forward to it all and all you can think about is the next time you're going to have a, a cheat meal or, or when you finish your diet, um, yeah. then it's not sustainable and the results that you may get from that diet, then they're, they're not going to last and you know, I, I just don't see the point in achieving a, a body weight or um, a muscle mass that you're happy with if yeah. you know very well right from the start that it's only going to be for a short period of time, whether that be a holiday or your wedding or whatever it may be, when you can, in fact, get in the same shape um, with a more moderate approach to training and nutrition. And I usually use the example, uh, put up a video on my social media last week about the fact that the literally the only thing that changes um, from when I'm in my off-season where my body fat's a little bit higher down to when I get ready for a show and my body fat's at the lowest it's ever been is the amount of food that I eat, the amount of calories that I take in. Um, yeah. it's, it's not the food selection. It's not It's not the training. It's not anything at all apart from the amount of food that I take in, and that's just purely calorie restriction yeah. and not food group restriction. Like I'll, I'll still go out and have a meal with my girlfriend or um, my family, or if we travel for work, TT will still eat at the airport or um, eat out or whatever it may be, even if I'm a week out from, from my show. Um, yeah. that's fine because I, I, I keep track of how much I'm actually eating um, yeah. to make sure that my energy balance is in the right spot to, to either lose weight or gain weight. Yeah, I think that's re- really, uh, really important. I think for the, for the listeners to hear that, um, 
you know, and to hear that you're actually not training, uh, changing your, your training in terms of the, the amount of cardio or the amount of weights or or the volume or your sets is uh, a really important point. And I think um, you focus a lot on uh, on nutrition, um, and I certainly know in terms of perhaps my uh, athletic performance or certainly the way I look uh, would probably be better if I was a little bit more dedicated in terms of my flexible dieting. But if I was to ask you a simple question in terms of uh, percentages, DK, and um, you know, what percentage you put on nutrition versus training, what, what would you say? Is it, is it 70-30? Is it 80-20? Um, yeah, or does it vary depending upon the person? Yeah, I think I think it's probably a different answer than you're expecting, but I think it's a hundred for each, hundred percent each, okay. because yep. right. um, you know if you have got eighty percent focus on nutrition, um, you know where's the where's the what's the other twenty percent doing? And if you're only putting twenty percent into your training, then you've probably got a shit training program. So yeah. I think right. I think hundred percent on each, um, but by a hundred percent, as as we've already talked about, that doesn't mean a hundred percent strict eating like a. Uh, Eating like a bodybuilder, even though most most bodybuilders could could be doing it a lot easier. But um, 100, by hundred percent, I just mean consistency. Um, consistency is always the key, as you mentioned before. Um, yeah. And and if you can find a way that's sustainable, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of um, you know, a lot of the questions I get early on with new clients or people that are curious about flexible dieting is, you know, things like, you know, there's no way I could track my calories or count my calories for the rest of my life. Um, you know, I don't have time to do that, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's fair enough because I know it's not a, not an ideal situation mm-hmm. to have to be tracking everything you eat. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's a couple of things. First thing is that it takes about two minutes to track your whole day's worth of food into an app on your phone these days, which is what all I do. Um, it's just account for everything that I eat. It literally takes me probably less than two minutes to do. Um, and secondly is... You want to be able to get to the point where you're not tracking on your phone anymore. You're not counting yeah. every calorie, but what it does is it educates you on what's in the foods that you're probably already eating. Like a, one of the things that comes up a lot with my clients is that, you know, no oh, crap, I didn't, I didn't realize that there's, you know, this much fat in this yeah. food that I've been eating for my whole life. I've been having this for breakfast every single day, and I've just realized that I only have, you know, 50 grams of protein for the whole day. So yeah. it's just, it just educates people on on what's in the food they're eating, and I like to say to my clients is that by the end of the, by the time that we finish working together, whether it be it might be twelve weeks or it could be six months, whatever it may be, is that you're you're confident to be able to go and eat anything you want anywhere in the world, and um, and be uh, you know you should be able to determine your own results by what you put in your put in your body. Sure, um, yeah. Great, uh, great answer there, DK, and, and certainly some uh, some great info. Um, back to the uh, the start of the the podcast when you talked about you know your sort of passion for the strength and conditioning and also your athletic market. I guess for those that are in Australia, um, uh, the, the Australian listeners, the fact that you you know, actively train two uh, very high profile AFL football players, um, not to mention they're both captains of very big clubs. If you were to do a flexible dieting program for them as athletes in terms of carbohydrates, proteins, and fats, would it be different um, to Joe Random off the street? Absolutely not, no. So that's that's something that I discussed recently um, on my podcast, actually, with with a nutritionist. And what we spoke about is the fact that that her partner is an AFL footballer and... uh, 
um, and he follows flexible dieting just like you or I would or just like your client would or um, you know, just like the person that's just started flexible dieting would, would count their calories. It's exactly the same. The only thing that changes is their energy balance, as I've already mentioned. So yeah. um, the amount of food that they're eating is yep. you know, most likely going to be a lot more than the average Joe or a lot more than you and I because they're expending a lot more energy. Um, sure. But in regards to food selections, it could be exactly the same as you or I. It could be, they could be really strict with the the food selection as well, and that just might be their personal preference. They might, you know, they might have always eaten a certain meal on a Friday night before game day for their whole career, so they'll stick to that. But yeah, if right. they can still work that within their their calorie intake, and um, and I think a, a benefit, I guess, of um, of tracking it and knowing what you're putting in your body from from the feedback that I've got is that they're actually able, as I mentioned, they're actually able to dictate what their body's doing during the season or during pre-season, whether they want to put on size or they, they know that they need to increase their calorie intake to put on some, some weight. Or once they're in season and their skin folds might be up a, a little bit, they know that they just need to reduce their calories from either carbohydrates or fats just a little bit um, to to get those skin folds down. But they know that it doesn't take any drastic changes or they don't need to change anything dramatically um, to their diet just to change their results so if they they're flat one week at training then it's easy for them to go okay so last week i was eating 350 grams of carbs a day and 80 grams of fat and i was pretty flat for training um, every day last week and i played shit on game day so next week i'm going to increase my carbs by 25 grams and we'll just monitor and see how that goes i think that's that's probably the best thing is that you can monitor your results it's kind of like you know, I, I, always, I always say that if you're a clean eater or someone that has no idea how much calories they're eating, it's like, you know, driving uh, driving around town without a speedo and just guessing how fast you're going. So, um, you, you'll never you'll never know. So, um, yeah. if you're if you're monitoring it, it's extremely easy to predict your results, um, regardless sure. of whether you're an athlete or whether you're just someone that goes to the gym a couple times a week that wants to get in shape for the beach. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, again, as an extension on the um, flexible dieting, uh, if we were to look at uh, the benefit, benefits um, gender-wise, males versus females, do you as a, uh, as a trainer and online coach, do you, do you reckon you get better results depending upon a male versus a female? Uh, I, think it's, I think the results itself are, are very similar, if not the same, in regards yeah. to when they're tracking their calories. The thing that I've found, though, with females... Um, it's probably, <coughs> excuse me. It's probably, it's probably the opposite for male and female. Males tend to not uh, either. Sorry, they tend to be eating too much, um, yep. simply because of their food choices aren't great um, a lot of the time, um, and also they're not getting enough protein for their body size or for what their goal is. Whereas females um, tend to not be eating enough, and that's usually the hard part to tell them at the start because. They might have been going two to three months and not seeing any results, but they've they've been eating you know next to no calories, um, and in their mind they think that they need to eat less because they're not seeing any results. But in actual fact, their body is almost in starvation mode because they're not getting enough nutrients for to give them energy to train. They they haven't got enough energy in their body to just do the the things throughout the day that you that a normal person would do, like taking the stairs or walking to work or um, just. You know, if you've got a family playing with your kids after work, but because they're eating so little, their energy expenditure um, is so small as well that they're, they're not seeing results. So usually the first thing I'll do with any female client 
if they're trying to lose weight is find out exactly how much they're eating um, before they come to see me and I'll usually add a couple hundred calories uh, on top of their, their intake straight away. Um, yeah. And you know, nine times out of 10, they're quite surprised with what they see once they actually stick to it because uh, a good example is I had, I had a female that was, I think she was about six foot one or something like that. So she was relatively tall, extremely active, um, and she was taking in about thirteen or fourteen hundred calories a day, which is really just is, is very very low. Um, and the first thing I did is increase her calories by I think it was four hundred. So we went from about let's say fourteen hundred up to eighteen hundred, and in the first week she lost two kilos um, simply oh. because her output when she actually yeah. trained was so much better because she had energy to train. Um, and her body wasn't holding on to everything it took in because, um, you know, now it's actually expending that energy, not holding on to it because, um, you, it, it doesn't always come down to, you know, less, less is better when, when you're trying to diet. It can really, the fact that with flexible dieting, you look at your carbohydrate, your fat and your protein intake can, can be all the difference. You could be eating 1600 calories, um, but not knowing how many grams of protein you're eating to me setting up your macronutrients to, uh, um, to the right ratios for what your goal is um, and still eat that exact same amount of calories and lose weight. So um, yeah. it, it is extremely important. And in the end of the day, like the, everyone has their own opinion about nutrition, but with flexible dieting, it is science-backed. Science it's, it's evidence-based stuff that's been tested um, it's not a theory like a lot of these diets are, like these fads. They're not. They're not just um, flexible dieting. Isn't just someone's opinion. Um, it's. It's. It is what it is. It's. Um, it's science based. So you can't really argue with it. Sure. Sure. So I guess again, reflecting on a few points you you brought up earlier, it's, it's the relationship with the food for the client, um, and I guess for you instilling the education first to give them confidence. Um, that eating more food or eating more calories isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, definitely. And and you would know, Tori, like both our, our clientele um, are usually corporates that have yeah. client lunches or client dinners or tend to eat out a lot. They might be traveling for work. So to be able to, you'd be able to tell our clients that, you know, it's okay to be able to go out and have a couple of glasses of red with your client or it's all right to be able to um, go out and, and have, a, have a meal out with, um, with work friends or your family or eat that meal on the plane or whatever it may be um, and still stay aligned with your health and fitness goals and not come back two weeks after a business trip and back, be back at square one, then it's, it's, um, it's a really cool thing to be able to see, see people like that that live busy lifestyles or lifestyles that involve alcohol or whatever it may be and not go off track with whatever their goal is. Yeah, I reckon that's a really good point for the listeners too, to, for them to understand they actually don't need to eliminate a food group or, or stop, eat, stop eating chocolate or stop having that beer at the footy or glass of red with dinner or whatever, um, as long as they're consciously aware of you know their calorie consumption and co- consciously uh, aware of their, uh, their macros. Exactly right, exactly right. Okay, so just before we finish up, DK, um, you know, and I'll put all the uh, all your contact details in the show notes. But if I was just directly to look at um, you know nutrition, what do you reckon is the number one thing um, that people get wrong? Is, is it is it volume? Is it portion size? Is it uh, the macro ratio? What, what do you think it is that the majority of the population get wrong? 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's two main things. So I'll just break it up into two. The first thing is protein intake. Yeah. Um, most people aren't getting anywhere near enough protein, and and that's simply because they don't they don't know how much protein they're getting. Um, yeah. So that's the first thing. <clears throat> the second thing is is as you mentioned, is just that it's more so the portion size or the volume that they're eating. Um, it's it's extremely easy to get two thousand calories from you know two meals, even one meal a day, if you're eating yeah. the wrong thing. Or not so much the wrong thing, but you're eating foods that are high in calories but low volume, meaning they don't really fill you up. Whereas yeah. you could you could have 1,800 calories um, spread out over three to four meals um, and barely be able to finish it if you pick the high volume foods that aren't high in calories. So lower in calories, higher in volume, um, and that can make all the difference. Because like I said, I could go out today and have have McDonald's twice for breakfast and lunch and be done with my calorie intake for the day or um, and not not also be done with my intake but also just feel like crap and perform pretty badly in the gym my sleep quality would be bad or I could go out and uh, and get in some good lean sources of protein get in my uh, my two to three servings of fruit and veg uh, plenty of water get in my nutrients um, and still be able to have ice cream after dinner or something like that um, yep. but go to bed feeling full feeling satisfied um, and still within my calorie goal so it, it can make all the difference your food selection can make all the difference yeah some great uh, some great points there and again if I was to ask the same question what do you think people get wrong in relation to exercise is there is there one main thing is it infrequency is it lack of intensity is it uh, you know one dimensional being only weights or only cardio what do you think it is that again most of the population get wrong I think the majority of the population do way too much um, cardiovascular training for fat loss. Um, right. Obviously, obviously, if your hobby is running and you want to get extremely fit, then you know to get good at something, you've got to do it often. But if your goal is fat loss, um, most people turn to cardio before they look at nutrition or before they look at strength training. Um, when in actual fact, cardio should be used as a tool and it should be the opposite way around. So nutrition should always come first. Um, strength training to make sure that you're, you're at least holding lean muscle mass if not putting on lean muscle mass um, because the more the more lean muscle you have the more calories you burn at rest doing absolutely nothing so uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing you, you, you and I see it a lot you see people come into the gym four or five days a week and all they do is sit on the cross trainer or the treadmill yeah. for 20 to 30 minutes and then leave um, yeah. but those same people look the same year in year out um, so there's got to be something something wrong there at some stage. And I guess uh, in, in relation to uh, DJK Fitness and the gender split of your clientele, <laughs> I think one of the credits to your business and the way you upsell your education and your training regime is that you really give confidence to women. Um, and you know, when I first started PTing, all that the girls wanted, all that the women wanted was cardiovascular fitness. And now... Uh, I guess with Instagram and, and certainly the way you train, the way you think, and the way you um, instill the benefits of strength training, a lot of your clients are actually. That I'd be right in saying. I think you just cut out there, DK. Yeah, I think it might just cut out, but I, I, I did hear what you said, and um, yeah, yeah, you're correct there. It's um, a lot of the female clients I've got now, and it's and you know as well it's hard at the start to be able to say to them all right today it's not about how high you can keep your heart rate for 60 minutes today it's about getting stronger on squats or getting stronger on pull-ups 
and starting to actually get strong on these exercises um, and then doing a short block of high intensity training at the end it is hard to get across to people at the start that that's that's the more beneficial way to train or the more optimal way to train for what their goal is but yeah. if you get if you can get them to buy into it and stick to it for long enough then as you mentioned before we've got a number of clients now that um, you know are actually asking to do strength training or are coming in um, and instead of thinking about how they feel when they leave you know how sweaty they are when they leave the gym they're thinking about how heavy can I deadlift today or how how many yeah. pull-ups can I do without any assistance and stuff like that which is pretty cool to see um, considering as you mentioned you know only a few years ago it would have been the complete opposite yeah sure um, okay so what I'm going to launch into now DK is uh, the health flow quiz yeah I've got I've got 11 <laughs> questions for you um, and what I want to see is what you value more. Okay. So, so and obviously knowing you pretty well, uh, I could probably answer them all, but I think for the listener, it would be interesting to uh, hear it coming from the horse's mouth. So question number one, exercise versus movies. <laughs> exercise. Savory versus sweets. Savory. Chocolate versus cheese. Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, cheese. Water versus juice. Water. Wine versus beer? Oh, depends what the weather's like, but I'll go with wine. Ah, uh, no, I'll go with beer, beer, beer. Okay, yep. yeah, okay, okay. Maybe a wine chaser, just to finish <laughs> it up. We might, we might just have to have both. <laughs> That's okay, it's okay. Okay, uh, number six from 11 is carbs, no carbs, some carbs? Carbs. Uh, carbs, okay, very good. Sleep versus sex? Uh, sex and sleep. Perfect. Uh, book versus magazines. Book for sure. Favorite meal. Uh, in all honesty, it would have to be uh, steak and potatoes. As boring as that is. No, no, I'm uh, I'm I'm liking what I'm hearing. Favorite holiday destination. Um, so far, Los Angeles. And finally, uh, the health flow quiz, question 11. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? What would it be? Um, oh, that's a good question. Mm, probably to be, um, probably just to be able to switch off a little bit more, I think. Something I'm working on at the moment with a bit of meditation stuff, but to be able to... Yeah, be um be a bit more present. Uh, not always be not always be focused on work or focused on training and stuff. Be able to just switch off a little bit. That'd probably be um what I would what I would change. I reckon. I reckon your girlfriend would love to hear that answer. So well played. <laughs> we won't show her this one. <laughs> uh, well, uh, thank you for your time today, DK. You know, I know you're extremely uh, extremely busy and your schedule's always uh, pushing the boundaries, both personally and professionally. So. Um, if the listeners want to get in contact with you, obviously I'll, I'll put all your social media details in the show notes, but you do have okay. a fantastic podcast, being uh, the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. How else can they connect? Yeah, the podcast is a good one. You've got a couple of episodes on there, so they might want to go back and check them out. Um, also, you can connect through Instagram, um, which is just DJK Fitness. Uh, I put a lot on, on Facebook now, which is just Danny Kennedy Fitness. I've also got a YouTube channel, which again is um, is Danny Kennedy Fitness. And uh, I guess there's a fair bit of valuable 
uh, information on my website, which um, again is just www.dannykennedyfitness.com. So they're all pretty much the same. Well, um, for the listeners, they are all fantastic resources. I think if Danny does one thing and does one thing very well, it is his uh, constant commitment to the cause and the cause, as he mentioned first off in the podcast, with his uh, his passion for helping people uh, achieve success through health. And I think he's a, he's self motivated. He's a self learner. He's always reading. Um, some books, research articles, so it really is impressive to see someone who's so young doing um, such great things in the industry, uh, and I have no doubt that you'll be super successful in years to come, so I really do look forward to watching you progress uh, on your journey, DK, and again, I, I thank you for your time today, and uh, I really appreciate it. I appreciate it, TT. Looking forward to the, um, the future episodes of The Health Bloke. Um, if you guys are listening today, then definitely subscribe because I know uh, Tori's mentioned some of the episodes he's got coming up and um, it's definitely you definitely don't want to miss them. They're good. So thanks again, mate. Appreciate it. Okay, guys, there you have it. Uh, DJK Fitness and his thoughts on flexible dieting. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Health Bloke Podcast, talking all things wellness. Thanks, guys.